This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, November 14th, 2010. God is calling us to serve. You know, that is quite a collection, isn't it? And if you act now, you get to Christmas, you know, it's timely. It's right around the corner. Truth is, though, the message in those songs is just the opposite of the message Christ shared. Amen? Amen. And it's just the opposite of the message that we embrace here at Connection Community Church. And that message is a message of servanthood. Servanthood. So that's what our focus is this morning as we conclude our series called God Calls Us. Today, this morning, God calls us to serve. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Lord, thank you for today. Actually, thank you for carrying us through the night, for your protection, for your love, and for your Holy Spirit who guides us And now, Lord, open up our hearts so that we might hear your message found in Scripture, so that we might dig a little deeper into what this whole servanthood thing is all about. And we pray, Lord, that we're changed and transformed, that we leave here differently than when we came in. We give this time to you in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And, you know, I really need to say um, our wi- we have 50, 60, I don't know how many women down in Ocean City right now. They've been on a retreat all weekend, and they're probably going to head home soon. So, first of all, that's why a few seats are empty, because we've got a whole congregation <laughs> in Ocean City right now, and we need to also pray for their safe return. So I'm going to do that. Lord, um, just cover um, everybody in Ocean City right now, all the, the women who are there learning about how to move from fear to faith, and we pray for safe travels home. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so have you ever been out to eat at a restaurant, and you get this waiter or waitress, and they have this attitude. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like, you know, if it just weren't for these customers who want good service, hot food, and cold drinks, this would be a great place to work. You ever had one of those? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not a very good dining experience, is it? On the other hand, have you ever had a waiter or a waitress who just, I mean, it's like nothing, no request is too much. Uh, they made you feel like, like they, any wish was their command. You didn't even have to ask for more water or drink. It was just filled without you even asking. It was just, everything was just on automatic. You ever had one of those? Wasn't that a great experience? And you just say, oh, thank you for such a, a serving heart. Such a serving, serving that goes over and above, true servanthood. Man, it's such a blessing. Well, today we're going to look at what the Bible says about servanthood. And uh, part of our focus is 1 Peter, if you have your Bibles with you, 1 Peter chapter 4, and we'll be keying in on verses 7 through 11. Let's read that now. So that you may pray. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for 
my guys back there. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so this is a letter uh, Peter wrote to the Christ followers who had been scattered through the northern part of Asia Minor. Excuse me, here in verse 7, Peter shares what the Christians at that time, the vast majority of Christians, believed, that the end was near. They thought that, uh, that, you know, Jesus had said he was coming again. Of course, they took it seriously, and they thought it was at any moment. Well, the truth is, that is true, isn't it? It is at any moment, and we, like them, should always be prepared because it could be any time. The, the end is near. What's interesting is the tone here and um, how the Christ followers are called to act, how they're called to respond. They're not told to go off alone, be hermits, go off into little, you know, cubbies by themselves, praying just for their own safety and salvation, even if that second coming is very close at hand. The tone of the letter is exactly the opposite, isn't it? Even though they believe the end is near, they're told to maintain constant love for whom? For one another. In other words, it's supposed to go out this way rather than in this way. They are called to be hospitable, to open up what they have to those around them. And then here's the part that is our focus this morning. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so here's the truth. The Bible tells us that every believer has been given at least one spiritual gift. Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ has been given a spiritual gift. Some one, some have more than one. Now, we've been given the gift. We can't take the gift You can't take a gift. You receive a gift. And that's what God has given to each one of you who believe in Jesus Christ. Now, we are called to be faithful stewards of all gifts that God gives, including the spiritual gift that we've been given. And so, why are we given gifts? God makes this very clear in Scripture. It's in Corinthians. It's in Romans. We are given spiritual gifts to serve. We're given spiritual gifts to glorify God and edify. That means build up the body of Christ. Mm. It's interesting. The, the word, that, uh, the Greek word that's translated here, serve, the Greek word is the word diakonio, diakonio. It's a, it's, a, it's a verb form of the noun, diakonios, and the, the meaning of that word, diakonios, is one who is an attendant or who waits on tables. Kind of referring back to when I asked you about the waiter or waitress. Di, diakonio, then, would be to serve as one who, who is a servant, a waiter or a waitress, one who waits on you, uh, 
seeing that your needs are taken care of. As a good waiter or waitress puts the needs of those at the table first, the people, people Peter is addressing here are called to do the same, to put the needs of those around them first like a waiter or waitress would do. And so let's take a look at verse 11 now, and this addresses how we are to serve. In fact, let's say it together, the bold part. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I love that verse. I mean, that's just a prayer. Uh, To him be the glory forever and ever. And it's talking about giving ourselves to the Lord in service. In other words, we give to the Lord all that we've got, but it's to praise God and to give God what God is due. And so we're to serve God and we're to serve others. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Serve God, serve others. We serve God to glorify him. We serve others to do what, the, what we find in Ephesians 4.12 tells us, to build up, or a, word, a churchy word for that is to edify the body of Christ. We serve in order to glorify God and to edify or to build up others. And so serving really has nothing to do with me or you. It has nothing to do with us as individuals. You see, it's all about God and others around us. Just like what Peter is um, describing in this chapter 4, well, it's nothing like the church portrayed in this next video. Take a look. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys. Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now, and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. Me Church, where it's all about you. Okay, well, God calls us as a body of Christ to serve God and others, not be a church that's focused on me. In fact, we have uh, four letters that we say around here. It's part of our DNA. Anybody know what that is? I-N-A-M. I-N-A-M. It's not about me. Yeah, you guys know it. It's not about me. It's about him, and it's about those around us. Mm. I want to show you a great example of Inam from the Old Testament. It comes from Genesis 24, one of my favorite stories out of Genesis, uh, the story of, uh, of Rebekah. Uh, Abraham 
uh, wanted to find a son, uh, a wife for his son Isaac, but he wouldn't, didn't want the local girls because this was a foreign country that they were living. He wanted to go back to the homeland to find uh, his uh, son's wife. So he sends his, his main servant back, back home. And, and, and the main servant, just before he gets there, he prays. And he says this to God. He says, may it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Well, sure enough, he pulls up and he sees, the first thing he sees is this beautiful young girl uh, getting water from the well. And he says, uh, hey, can you get me a drink? And she says, sure. And she gets him a drink and then she says, and I'll water your camels too. It's interesting because it, it doesn't go into a lot of detail, but I'm going to just take a minute to go into a little detail because this is really important. Do you know how much water a camel can drink? How much a water a camel holds? It's like 25 to 30 gallons. Now, he had 10 camels. We're going to do a little math here. And I, they were on a trip. In, in Scripture, there's a little place like that. It's a period, and actually it's a 500-mile <laughs> punctuation point <laughs> from when he started to where he got to. 500 miles, those camels are thirsty. I'm going to say, let's try to say they drink 25 gallons. Fair enough. 10 times 25, 250 those jars, you know, those ones you see the old passion pictures, those clay jars, they probably hold, what, five gallons maybe? Let's say five gallons. If they did, she's a hoss being able to lift them, uh, but let's just say five gallons. 250 gallons divided by five, that's 50 trips to the well. Let's say a trip takes, I don't know, 10 minutes to let the water down, get the water, go to the camels. Plus, I'm bad. she slowed down a little bit because if it did take 10 minutes times 50, that's 500 minutes. Divide it by 60 minutes in an hour, and you've got about eight hours of camel watering. Eight hours! She didn't even know the guy. She volunteered to do this, and when she got done, she still had some spring in her step. Now, that's servanthood, wouldn't you say? What a model. What a model of servanthood. Rebecca is really a wonderful model of servant. And that's what we're called to be as well. Now, we don't have camels and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) But the thing to remember is that we are called to serve. Now, we don't serve in order to accumulate points in God's big tote board up in heaven to say, oh, they've served a hundred times this year and so they're coming to heaven. That's not how we get to heaven. We don't earn our salvation. You see, we receive Jesus Christ into our life and serving is a thank you note back to God for the life that we're given, for new life in Christ, for forgiveness, for joy, for peace that passes all understanding when everything else is caving in around us. See, salvation is a gift for us to receive. And when we serve God, it's just responding to God by saying, well, thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Mm -hmm. So part of our purpose as a church is to help you be uh, the servant God calls you to be. And, you know, God doesn't call us to be servants just individuals. It's always the whole community. 
You know, you look at the Old Testament, it's always community-wide, so we're called to serve the greater community. And one way we try to help you do that is by helping you realize what your spiritual gifts are, the gifts that God has given you, as well as your personal style and also what you're passionate about. We do this most frequently through a class we have called Network. Anybody here take a Network? Okay. For those who don't have your hand up, I would strongly encourage you to consider the Network class. It's a very good class to help you know where, how God has wired you and maybe give you some direction for what God has wired you for. And if you took network a long time ago, it's okay to take it again because sometimes our gifts do shift. They do change depending on what the body of Christ needs. So you don't have to just take it once and, and that's it. Yeah. Another tool we've developed is something called iServe. You all should have this in your program. Pull that out, would you? And wave it in the air so we can have some, a little breeze in here because the fans aren't on. Okay, that's good. Just want to make sure everybody's got it out. Got it out. Okay. Open that up. It's a trifold. Cool. I want to tell you a true story. Back, um, I was a, a young mom and taken disciple and really trying to figure out what Jesus desired for my life. I, I was a nurse, still am, but was a nurse and worked in that part-time. And I had this, I, I just couldn't get settled. And I talked to my pastor, I was in his office a lot, like, where does God want me? What does God want me to do? And what I realized was that God was calling me to serve, but I just couldn't find out where, and I couldn't plug it in. And, and I knew that God gives all of us gifts, but I just couldn't find mine. Well, what ended up happening is that I was being called into ministry, and that was part of my um, restlessness. But my first job in the church was to help connect people to serve. That's my first call in ministry. Because I believe that everybody who loves Jesus has this restlessness that can't be quenched by anything unless we serve. And so we developed this tool for you to prayerfully take home or look here, you may figure it out here, and pray about where God is calling you. It's pretty self-explanatory. We have some main areas, first impressions, campus ops, arts, outreach, spiritual formation, children and students. Fill it out, tear it off, turn it in. You'll be called, this isn't a life sentence. <laughs> this is for as long as God calls you to do that particular area. Now I do want to put a plug in. You've seen how many babies we've got coming? We're going to have to have two nurseries and our Sunday school ministry is going to have to expand like within three months. So, sign up please. As Gary says, it's not a life sentence and it might, you might try to say after two weeks, this, oh, this wasn't what I thought. Well, there's no reason for you to stay in there if, it, if it's just agony. Get the paper back out and try something else. We want you to find where it is that God's calling you to serve. On the other hand, sometimes there's areas we serve where it's not necessarily giftedness, it's because there's a need. And I'll give you a biblical example. Um, 
Christ, we read about where he had the towel around his waist at the Last Supper, and he got on his knees and washed his disciples' feet. See, typically there would be a servant in that role. In the house, they would have some, a servant whose job was to wash the feet of the guests as they came in because they were crusty and dirty, because they wore sandals on those dusty roads. They had rented the room for the Last Supper, and so there was no servant there. So Jesus took on the role of that servant, God on his knees. Can you imagine the Son of God, if you were one of those disciples, the Son of God washing your feet? Yet that's what Christ did. Even the feet of Judas Iscariot, who later that night would betray him to the officials. And why did he do it? Well, he's trying to show them that he, he came to serve, not be served, even the Son of God, even if it meant washing their filthy feet. And he was a model for them. Some places in the church, I'm not sure if it's necessarily called to, but it's necessary. We, we, we need to save some money because the budget was tight. We cut out 10000 in the budget by uh, self-cleaning. And that's at a crisis situation right now. I'll say crisis because every week the person in charge is having trouble uh, getting the eight people he needs to clean the church. If we have eight a week, we would only, each person would only have to do it like three times a year. I talked a lot about this first, so I'm going to boil this all down. When you go out this morning, out the door, the door's coming in the church, there's a black cloth table to your left. There's a clipboard on there for the next four months. We need eight person a week for those four months so that we have a clean place to welcome people to worship. I'm asking each and every one of you as you leave today to sign up for a slot in the next four months. If you sign up and you find, oh gosh, and you have to change, that's okay. You can call the office. We'll see that it changed. We just need that thing filled out. And I would encourage each and every one of you to do it. It actually isn't as bad as it seems. We do it near lunch so we can go out and have a pizza party afterwards. That's your, that's your call now. But I would encourage you because we need your help drastically. Amen. You know, this whole idea of serving isn't our idea. It's what the Lord calls us to do. Just as Alan said, when the Lord picked up the towel and knelt as a servant, those of us who claim Christ as our Lord and Savior with Jesus as our model, we are called to serve one another. God does call us to serve to glorify God and edify others. It was really cool. Um, I go through the attendance sheets from from time to time, and um, one sheet I see consistently, they, they check 945, and then at 11 o'clock they write in serving. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. You worship one hour, you serve an hour. Just, just asking you to consider that. Yeah. And so, today's the day to talk to God to make some decisions about serving. Service should not be drudgery, but a calling. Jesus told his disciples in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, Jesus is our model. It's pretty simple. 
we too are called to serve. I'll tell you what, if you're a follower of Christ and you're not serving, there will be this void in your heart and this hole in your soul that you're going to keep trying to fill up with other stuff and it's not going to cut it. So where is it that God's calling you? If you're in a place now where you hate, get out of it. Find another place. God's given you gifts. Some one, some more. And so, we've got our phone here. God's calling us to serve. Will we push answer? Or we hit the de- or will we hit the decline button? What will your answer be? Let's pray. God, these are um it's a tough message for us because You know, we confess that sometimes we want it to be all about us and forgive us for that. Now, Lord, um, if there's anyone in this place that um, feels like they're serving without joy, we pray that you'll show them by your Holy Spirit uh, a different place of service. If there's anybody in this house who's not serving, Lord, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you'll prompt them to pray about where you would lead them. God, all we want as as a church body is to connect people with Jesus and the life that he offers because that's the only life to live. So we thank you and we praise you for your promise, for your word found in scripture. God, help each one of us shine on We pray this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Thank you for taking part in sharing the message for this week. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also reach our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.